friends, family, loved ones, and even y'all who work behind the counter at the DMV. This is for you today. Welcome to the Ronk and Roll Show. I'm your host and Ronk father, Ola Olegbemi. It's Monday, September 7th, and this episode is called Ronk Bottom. We've got a global pandemic, we've got social unrest, everybody's mental health is breaking down, but I've got a few bits of encouragement for you. Me and special guest Ben McKinnon are discussing fatherhood, faith, and freedom in a time of global crisis. Welcome to Ronk and Roll. It's not a genre, it's a way of life. Ben McKinnon. Dude. How are you doing today, man? We're we're doing it, man. And I feel like in the COVID land, well is tentative, but we're doing it. We're doing it, <laughs> we've, exactly. We've made it to the evening, so cheers. Yeah, you think tomorrow's going to be good or? Ah, I think we're going to reload the program and we're going to. We're going to see what comes out the other end. <laughs> exactly. Just going to reload the program. Exactly. Yeah, man. Well, today, um, just wanted to discuss like how the pandemic's been affecting you and, you know, see how uh, fatherhood, your faith, and uh, just what you perceive as freedom is, you know, been treating you and how you're treating it. So, Word. Yeah, man. So what, uh, what ways has fatherhood been affected by this pandemic. Oh man. <laughs> uh, so fatherhood is complicated. That's a new idea. Uh, the pandemic has added new layers to it. Um, you know, something as simple as the other day I took Levin to the park and, um, there was a very close family unit there. Right. And, um, they, they were non-English speaking. Um, they were having a great time. And like they had a they had a little dog and Levin loves dogs. My son's name is Levin. And uh, the so Levin was just like falling in love with this dog. Yeah. And this woman comes up with the dog and like wanting Levin to pet it. And he's like, oh, my gosh, like he's falling apart at the seams. He's 16 months old. He's dying. <laughs> and so she was wanting to be like really sweet. And so like she picks him up and like is hugging him and. She couldn't see me, but, like, my eyes were the size of dinner plates. It's like, oh, my God, what is happening? Yeah. And so it was, like, this really weird thing where it's, like, I'm discovering that my desire to not be rude superseded my desire to protect my son <laughs> from yeah. this thing. So I just kind of let it happen, and I got home, and I was like, hey, Kate, just so you know, my wife's name is Kate, uh, we should keep an eye on Lev. <laughs> so, yeah. like, even something as simple as going to the park, you're like, Wow. This just got real complicated. Things yeah. just got messy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, little stuff like that. Um, you know, stuff that you would never think of before. You know, like this notion of distance, this notion of space, this notion of like comfort, and what does it mean? Like, what's the the line between like comfort and safety? And that line is so aggressively blurred because now it's like you know what we have defined to be comfort is now it now should be kind of the homeostasis for what it means to be safe, and so. Uh, you know, we've, we've kind of removed that line and sort of mashed them all together. And so, yeah. like, that just, it, it, yeah, it's complicated. It's tricky, man. It's tricky. Yeah, man. Yeah. Eleanor, my daughter, she's been, she's been a trooper. I mean, she doesn't know any different. She's only three months old. Right, but, right, right. I mean, she's just been, 
you know, just living and learning. But so she's not really burnt burnt up about the bars closing and stuff. Uh, probably not. No, she seems yeah. Yeah, but I don't straight know. and narrow. Yeah. I'm sure that like when she grows up and she remembers 2020 and she sees all these masks everywhere that she's going to be like, oh man, what was up with that? Unless we're all wearing masks in the future. I think, yeah, I think she'd do well to not remember 2020. Yeah, I think, I think we'd I'm, all do well to yeah, not remember 2020. I'm, I'm excited to see like Levin come home from like middle school with like a whole textbook just committed to 2020. Yeah. And like the first page is like, by the way, like koalas are on fire. <laughs> and then I go, hey man, just keep keep reading, man. <laughs> just keep reading. Yeah. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Exactly, <laughs> like, dude. Don't worry about the koalas. It, that, it, dude, that's the quote too. Like where do you think like, okay, before, I've, I've heard so many people say it's going to get worse before it gets better. At what point are we like, okay, like, it's not going to get any worse. I mean, we saw, like, you know, the, the explosions going off everywhere. Like, people are riding in the streets. Yeah. Like, like, what is what is better at this point? I Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it makes sense to have a pathology of, like, when is it truly the worst? Because <laughs> 2020 has just, yeah, it, it's like a, a bottomless box just full of styrofoam peanuts yeah. <laughs> like as you dig more you're like we can't possibly have more and it's yeah. like oh no 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 it's there so um it's really helpful in the way of like you know i pretty much expect that the world is gonna burst entirely into flames before we decide <laughs> like we've hit the we've truly hit the worst so uh every day that doesn't happen um locally at least i'm like okay yeah we, we we seem to have pulled through like, yeah. <laughs> yeah we seem to have done it yeah exactly so what do you think is like the best part of fatherhood for you especially like with this whole pandemic going on so i mean one thing that's been really good for me um is the amount of quality time um you know i mean and, and i guess you could always frame it in like a negative way you could say well you know so i'm a college professor and um, i teach at a community college locally and I don't love giving lectures into my webcam. Don't love doing that. Um, I don't love doing my office hours on Zoom. I don't love, like, the room that used to be kind of like my little space has now become, like, my workspace. Like, that's kind of a bummer. But, again, it's like it, it depends on how you frame it, right? Like, for me, it's like, you know, on really rough days, it's like, God, I hate working from home. But on, like, days where I decide to be really intentional about, like, seeing the perk of this, I have spent – and a gratuitous amount of time with my son than I would normally than I nor, that I normally wouldn't have gotten had I been, you know, driving onto campus every day yeah. and coming back. So, you know, uh, on strong days, it's one of those things. It's like okay, so I may, like, I get to be home with my son whilst I'm doing this. Like this is tremendous. On weekdays, like W-E-A-K days, yeah. it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's more like oh, I'm straddling two worlds and doing them both poorly. Um, but I guess at a certain point, like, you know, you just have to look at what actually is there and what's there that wouldn't be in, in the normal context is the amount of just raw critical mass amount of time I get to spend with my son. Yeah. Um, and that has been just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've really had the opportunity to be present, um, yeah. be aggressively present. Which is important. Yeah. It's a big thing. Um, it's a big thing. Uh, and so for me, like it also has given me a huge opportunity. Like the fact that I'm so constantly present, it's given me, 
present in like a physical sense. I mean, in terms of the cerebral, that's a whole <laughs> different bird. Yeah. But like in the physical sense, like what it also gives me the opportunity to do is like kind of work on my chops. Yeah. So like I get to really fatherhood chops. Yeah, I get yeah. to really be intentional about like okay, so what is it as a father that like I'm doing well? And yeah. like I'm getting almost immediate feedback in the way of like, well, I'm with my son, so now I actually know. Yeah. Instead of like just be sitting in my office like, oh, well, like what? And like my office like, you know, half an hour down the road going, oh, well, like what am I doing as a father and how can I be doing better? It's like I'm in the workspace there. Like I'm in that place right now. So I really get to kind of work on my chops and I really get to work on work particular muscle groups, relational and cerebral muscle groups to, to see – you know, ways that I can improve kind of my, my practices as a father. Yeah, it's weird that, like, we get this opportunity now to just be there, be present, because, mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, I mean, you know, you go to work, do your 9-to-5 bit, come home, your baby's like, oh, daddy's back, but now daddy's always back. Always back. Daddy's always here. Never truly left, you know, yeah. and so it's one of those things, like, again, like, when you consider, like, those weekdays, the W-E-A-K days, it's like you have this incredible blessing. You have this incredible opportunity, and you you piss it away because you're yeah. bitching and moaning because you're like, well, you know, I miss being in my office. <clears throat> and it's like, nah, man, this is your office. Yeah. This is your office now. Yeah. And how fun that the folks who you're, like, BSing with at the uh, water cooler is your wife and your son. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Like, your favorite people. The folks who you aggressively would carve out <laughs> – like you would leave work early shirking responsibilities you need so that you could be home with them yeah. like so it's like word i don't have to do that exactly. i'm already home with them you know so exactly yeah. yeah it seems like it seems like the pandemic has really kind of made us tap into what's most important and who's most important in our lives like we're spending a lot more time and reaching out to people that we really love just because, you know, we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. Right. So it seems like, especially with fatherhood, that, okay, now okay, your son's right down the hallway. Right. So you get to go and be with him on your 10-minute break versus like, oh, I'm going to call my wife and be like, oh, hey, how's Levin doing? You know, exactly. Like, how's Eleanor doing? Right. So, yeah, I think it's been just a wonderful time to be able to actually just tap into, okay, my child is here, I'm present. The people I love are in my life. I'm going to reach out to them more. And you go there. You know, you do what you need to do. And, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, you hear folks say, like, you know, on your dying, in your deathbed, you never say, like, I wish I spent more time in the office. And so it's like, I mean, yeah, sure, like, we we understand that that's true. But it is really nice when you have a nameplate, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Exactly. So that notion, that, like, kind of ego part of you is shirked. Now, I can only speak to my experience on that because there's a lot of folks who have had a very different relationship with work um, because of COVID. Uh, but I'll tell you, even for folks who have had a much more negative relationship than me, I still catch myself complaining as much as them at times. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I can only speak to my experience on that. But I know for me, like, you know, I need to be more cognizant about like, hey, this is the time that I get to have with my son as the time I get to have with my wife and I get to like, you know, really know the nuts and bolts of the day. So like by the time the day's done and like I leave my office, it's not, I don't have to ask Kate like, how was he today? 
Yeah. I've already got a know. pretty good beat on that. Exactly. You know? I was giving a lecture and one of my students, or there, you heard this giant thud in the background and this child just starts screaming. And one of my students was like, oh, is, is that your son? Is he okay? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. We'll find out at 1140 when this thing's done. Uh, let's get this class done. Let's, let's get this thing done. And then afterwards, like, you know, I had 20 minutes in between that and my next lecture. And I asked Katie, I'm like, what happened? She's like, oh, he fell off the bed. That's a thing that happened. And I was like, okay, yeah. everyone's fine. And she's like, yeah, he's fine. But, like, I knew it happened, you know? It wasn't like, it was like, all right, so I know I, there's something I need to check in on there. Yeah. Have you freaked out? about you know your kid or just being a dad more during this time is it like kind of added a heightened sense of fear or anxiety for you or yeah certainly I mean there is always that part of you that is like you know what kind of world is my son coming into um I feel like the one thing that's been nice about 2020 is it's been like such a cartoon villain (laughs) that it's like nah, man, this isn't going to be your baseline. (laughs) This isn't the world you're coming into. This is a season that we're all just going to fight and die and get out of alive. And then, you know, uh, at this stage in the game, it's like, well, what what bad thing can happen further, you know? So there is that, like, you know, again, these, like, you know, weak days where you say to yourself, like, oh, man, like, things are really falling apart. The world's on fire. Um, what's going to happen to my son when he gets out there? You know, things are so complicated now. Like, are kids ever going to be able to, like, play with each other? Like, yeah. I see kids at the park where, like, another child come up to play with them, and, like, they're taught well. Like, they back up, you know? Like, they get really cagey. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man. Like, that just tugs at your heartstrings. Yeah. But it's like, there's going to be a day where, like, that child's going to be looking back at their parent, like, what do I do? And the parent's going to go, no, 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 play. You're like, good. please play. Oh, like, gosh. you're fine. You're safe, you know? Can't wait for that day. Oh, a boy can dream. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Like, you know, so so maybe that'll be tomorrow. Maybe that'll be, you know, six months from now. Maybe that'll be, you know, six years from now. Maybe that'll be never. You know, maybe we'll always have to kind of, like, adjust to this, like, landscape. Um, but, you know, I think that what's been really helpful because, like, 2020 has been such a cartoon villain that it's, like, the way that I've seen my family and myself adapt to it now, it's, like, okay, we could recalibrate we could make this thing work um and if this truly is like the you know hashtag new normal then i guess that's just what we'd have to navigate but like it's you know uh, before 2020 like when bad when, when bad things would happen whether it be in the news or like locally or whatever like anything you become cognizant of you kind of throw your hands in the air it's like well things are never going to change things are yeah. never going to get better and so it's like now in 2020 it's like okay so this is <laughs> This is how bad it truly can get. We it can't stay here. Yeah, exactly. Um, it can't stay here. So, again, I, I I think that's a little bit more helpful. Yeah. Um, because it's just so cartoonishly horrible. Like it's like okay. Yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really afraid of what Eleanor's going to have to deal with in the future, just because I'm so thankful for her right now. Like, I'm thankful mm-hmm. that I'm just with her. I'm thankful right. that, you know... She's safe. She's safe. She's exactly. healthy. She's happy. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a bummer that, you know, we have a, a a virus just looming over our heads at every second of the day, but I'm thankful that today she's good, you know? Right. I focus on today she's good, I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to make sure that I can just be there for her, and when she smiles, I'm happy, you know, when... 
my wife is happy, I'm happy. You know, when we're all together, just being together, I'm happy. So yeah, yeah. I think I've kind of given up on. Yeah, exactly. I think I've kind of given up on like this global. You know, well, fifteen years from now. You know what are things gonna look like? It's like, dude, I'm gonna make it to Thursday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. I'm gonna make it to That's Thursday. That's all we can do. Yeah. Um, and so you just get very in the immediacy of things, and not mm-hmm. in like a cynical, like, well, you know, I guess we're all alive today. But I mean, quite literally, like, hey, we're all alive today. Yeah. You know, like, okay, like, let's let's do this thing. Let's, exactly. Like, you know, at the at the beginning. I was like, reload the program. Yeah, reload the program. Like, yeah. you know, we we get to how mm-hmm. amazing, you know. So, I, I I've given up. Uh, I've given. I've I've let that kind of like bird fly into the ether of like, you know. Oh well, when this is all over, it's like you know what? Just Thursday, we've got some stuff on the docket. That's yeah. that's what we're doing. Exactly. Like Thursday is what we're doing. Yeah. Before the podcast, you mentioned. Uh, just the idea of like hitting the bottom, hitting the bottom, you know, hitting the bottom. Mm. Everything seems like you're just, you're done. You're done. Know? You've got nothing to offer. You feel like you're just, you know, wallowing through the mud. Yep. But has the pandemic kind of given you a new strength as a father? Have you, even in hitting the bottom, have you seen any kind of pursuit that you want to go and reach for your kid is it has it made you introspective enough to see like okay um i may be missing the mark here or i may be doing this thing right and i'm gonna lean into that yeah you yeah uh that's a really good question so for me um i'm very performance driven i'm very results driven um when it comes to my work when it comes to my hobbies um, when it comes to like anything I do, I'm very performance driven. Um, and so it always comes back to, am I doing it well? Am I doing it the best? Can I quantify my success and can I kind of hang my hat on that metric? Um, and so in the way of like hitting the bottom for me, like I've really been struggling these past couple of weeks. I feel like I've been not checking any boxes. I feel like I've been doing my hobbies poorly. Yeah. I feel like I've been husbanding poorly i feel like i've been fathering poorly i feel like i've been brothering and friending and christ following poorly i just feel like i've been Join doing club, all man. of it all of it poorly yeah. just falling apart at the seams and um you know this notion of hitting bottom for me i feel like when you're in that spell when i'm in that spell it feels kind of like i'm falling down this well i'm falling into this like chasm of like despair and my knee-jerk reaction always is to, like, grab a hold of the walls and just claw, right? And, like, yeah. set my alarm and, like, hashtag rise and grind. And, like, you know, I'm going to, like, really get into those hobbies. I'm going to really, like, be this intentional husband, this intentional father. I'm going to yeah. really, like, crush it at work. And then it's, like, and that's cool. But as you hit setbacks along those things, like, it's kind of, like, like you start to fall apart. And ultimately, like... If, if the my performance-driven lifestyle came to fruition, truly came to fruition without any setback, without anything in the way, um, what it would ultimately be is, you know, kind of along the topic of faith, it would be me saying I don't need God anymore because I'm yeah. winning. And so it's like, well, good, good. I'm not hitting all those metrics right now. And so I'm coming out of a spell where I think I've spent some time kind of clawing at the 
at the um, at the edges, yeah. clawing at the walls. And um, I'm when I for me when I'm hitting the bottom, that's like such an opportunity to like speak truth to myself to say yeah. like, okay, like now that we're here, now that I'm in this place where none of my metrics are being met, and I'm not in a place where I can meet these metrics. Why are they in place? What are they trying to tell me about myself? Why am I using them to tell me something about myself? And like, what am I, what's really supposed to be there? And so, um, in the way of hitting bottom, uh, so much of like kind of my pathology around that as, as this particular spell is pertaining to it is just like, you know what? Like I'm going to hit the bottom and while I'm at the bottom, I'm not going to like, you know, when I was single, what I would do is, like, I would press pause on everything. I yeah. would take, like, a mental health day from work. I would, like, just go and, like, go into a meadow and read and <laughs> drink whiskey or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like I mean, I, I can't do that, right? Like, no I can't can, do that. Like, it's I, illegal. I'm, <laughs> there's that. Yeah, yeah. We, we run a tight ship here in Virginia, folks. In case you were wondering, we have a whole police force to alcohol, thank heaven. Um, it's a big deal. So, yeah, yeah, I got to make sure that's sorted out. Hey, but do you guys, you know? Yeah, so, you. yeah, sure. Cheers <laughs> to y'all, to everyone else. Uh, so, you know, it's like you can't do that now. So it's like, you know, I've got, I, I don't just get to, like, look at my wife and go, oh, you know, I'm feeling bummed. I'm feeling blue. You're going to need to pull the lion's share. And, like, I don't get to look at Levin and go, hey, man, like, I know you're 16 months old and you, and you really want to climb up on this thing, but, like, dad's kind of tired like dad's just feeling a little a little bummed out yeah so it's like okay you have to wake up and you feel like you're failing and you feel like you're but you have to keep failing you have to keep doing it and like you know speak truth to yourself in those in the moments that you can um and yeah i mean i think a huge part of that as well is like when you when you look at the world and what's going on in the world it's really easy to say you know, oh, well, everything is hopeless. Everything's meaningless. Everything's falling apart. You know, yeah. these, these political parties are doing this. They're doing that. There's, uh, you know, there, there, there are people dying here. There's stuff that died. Like, and it's like, you know, I, I caught myself getting really, like, worked up and upset about Beirut. And it's like, dude, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's a terrible thing. And we should be aware of it. And we should be cognizant of it. But also, like, you know. I'm I'm worried about this while like my wife is like spending the whole day with Lev yeah. and, and I'm on vacation. Exactly. <laughs> and like it's that, like it's like come on man. What can I'm, you do about what's going on uh, millions of miles well, not millions of miles. What can I do about but... a plant in Beirut yeah. with a nitrate explosion? Exactly. Like what can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, so um so really like when I get into those headspaces where it's like, "Oh my gosh, like the weight of the world, like the, the state of the world is just absolutely ruining me. It's like, what I'm really saying is, you know, what, what I'm really doing is I'm trying to claw at the edges yeah. of the pit of despair. And I'm going to climb out because I'm going to have a really good like point to make yeah. about mm-hmm. what's happening in the American and people are gonna political. Know, yeah. And they're going to get on board. And I'm going to, I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to be the guy, right? I'm going to be the guy that turns people around. I'm going to be the guy that like, you know, makes everyone abundantly aware of racism. I want to make everyone abundantly aware of corruption. I'm going to make everyone like, and and that's me clawing at the edges. Um, the reality is, like, you know, I, I've got a family that I have to sort out, and that, yeah. that's a family I have to be a part of. And, um, you know, I'm going through a tough time. I'm going through a tough spell. I'm going through a, a blue, a blue spell, 
and and not to marginalize it or not to minimize it. I mean that like mental health, like that's an important thing to like take 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 notice of. But like, you know, uh, what I need to do is just allow myself to hit that space, hit yeah. the bottom, truly hit the bottom, and um, you know, start speaking truth, start yeah. speaking truth to myself, and and engage with people who are going to help me in that process and people who are going to call me out in ways that I'm very weak and ways that I can grow. And, you know, it, it, the thing that's going to fix it is not me setting my alarm. The thing that's going to fix it is not me writing a blog post. The thing that's going to fix it is not me saving the world. The yeah. thing that's going to fix it is me like taking inventory of where I'm truly at and localizing my pain, localizing where I'm struggling. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, like bringing a community like being a, a part and an active member of my community in that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's one thing I've been noticing for myself as well. Just giving yourself some grace and giving others grace, especially grace. during this time. It's really, that's one thing I feel like is lacking in every headline and every interaction and every, everything's very punitive now, you know, we just want, we, we want justice. We want whatever, but you know, right now, grace is abundant but no one's tapping into it you know yeah and i think like yeah and i think that that's such an easy it's such an easy thing to so i i know for me when i get into really graceless spells what i'm doing is i'm seeing a divorce between what i want to be and what is and the cause of that divorce is this particular thing this person's ideology, this this thing in the ether of the world, and I'm going to be the one to call that out. I'm going to be the one to fix that. I'm yeah. going to be the one to die on that mountain. And because of that, the world is going to implicitly be a better place. Yeah. Right? And um, ultimately what I'm doing is I'm taking an idea. I'm taking a person. I'm taking a pathology. I'm taking something. And what I'm doing is I'm making it the villain. Yeah. And I'm punishing it. I'm not extending grace to it. I'm punishing it. I'm yeah. going to be the one to punish it. And sometimes that entity is me, certainly. And so I, I think I've spent a lot of time this past couple of weeks like saying, well, there's a divorce between the kind of man I want to be and the kind of man I am right now. So I'm going to punish this Ben that's in the way of that. Yeah. And um, if it's Ben or if it's you know a particular political party or if it's a particular like – you know, kind of justice initiative or if it's a particular whatever, I'm just going to go hard in the paint and I'm going to attack it. And anyone and anything in the way of that is going to feel my ire. And what I'm really, what I'm really saying is I'm seeing a divorce and I'm blaming it entirely on that thing. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. And, and, and I'm, I'm making that thing the villain that I'm going to overcome. Yeah. And that's, it's like when I disagree at that stage in the game, if I'm at like a dinner party and I disagree with somebody at that point, um, I'm not attacking. What I'm doing is I'm attacking them as they stand as kind of like a representative of the thing, thing I'm really ain't. going at, yeah. the thing that I'm trying to punish. Yeah, and it's exactly. like, man, that's really shitty because yeah. <laughs> people are complicated. Yeah. And they're not just that one caricature. They're not that archetype. Yeah. Um, and they need love and they need love and we need to be cut like something I, I texted a friend of mine this um, I felt like I felt like I was being I felt like he was being very ungracious towards me and I, I felt 
yeah, I just felt like, yeah, I just felt very dealt with ungraciously. And truth be told, I was, I was being, you know, kind of a prick, but I remember texting him back, like, cut me a break. And even just clicking send on that, like, I felt such a wave of just like freedom. Yeah. It's just like, dude, just cut me a break. Yeah. Like, cut me a break. And so it's like, man, that wave of freedom, I can extend that to others in yeah. a way of like, you know what, man? Like, you're saying this thing that I disagree with. You're saying this thing that, that I think is actually bad, maybe. Like, you're you're doing this thing that is that I feel personally hurt by. And it's like, I'm just going to cut you a break. Because yeah, this is a tough time, and everyone just feels beat up um, in so many ways. And I certainly have felt really beat up. And, and just even saying to, like, one person, like, cut me a break. It's like, again, like, who am I saying that to? Like, I'm, I'm saying it to this guy, but... Also, like, just me even reading that, it's like I'm saying that to someone else and I'm now reading it. It's like, ooh, I'm not saying that to me enough. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that to me enough. It's difficult, man. It's difficult, especially, like, I don't know, with this pandemic, we're all doom and gloom. It's yeah. hard to see the bright side of anything right now. Absolutely. Well, because, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, first off, like, in the way of, like, yeah, in the way of, like, the—I don't want to say, like, the news cycle, but the gloom and doom is more evident and it's more apparent. And sometimes even it feels like if you say something positive, right, it feels like you're coming from a place of privilege and saying that. Hmm. Like, oh, well, this this great thing. Like, let's take a look at this it's great fair. thing that's happening. It's like, yeah. okay, yeah, but there's people dying, right? And, like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I, I catch myself sometimes wanting to bitch and moan about, like, well— I wish I could just like, go to my office. Well, there are people who lost their work, right? Yeah. So how dare you? Yeah. But it's also, yes, and there's so much truth to that. But also, like, yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't fix the pro- that doesn't fix the thing that you're grappling with. Exactly. And um, it acknowledges it. It acknowledges it certainly, and it puts it in its appropriate space. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's something to be said about putting words to something you're struggling with, and I think that. Um, we need to be a little bit more cognizant about like doing that in a place where like we feel like we can be extended grace or where we can extend grace to each other. And I mean, certainly like, you know, for somebody who lost a very close family member to COVID, I mean, they're, they're probably not interested in hearing me say like, well, I miss my office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I really, I really wish I could pay more tolls to get to my work. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same token, like let, let's just be honest with ourselves and with others that like, there's some really petty stuff that we all are really bent out of shape about. Yeah. You know, that, and so, like, yeah, let's just all struggle together, man. Like, let's just all struggle. Yeah. You know, let's just struggle. Let's hit bottom. Let's all hit bottom. Exactly. Let's all hit bottom. And what role does, you mentioned Christ earlier, what role does your faith play in uh, the way that you're viewing what's going on right now? Man, that's something I'm still navigating. Like, I mean, for me personally as a Christ follower, like, I don't, like, I, I, that's a lens through which I view things. Like, it's not just like, well, I believe this, so here's how I believe other things. But it's quite literally, well, it's not quite literally. We overuse literally. (laughs) (laughs) We just, we've used it too much. Uh, 2020 word. <laughs> I know. But that one folks say like, I'm literally burning to death. It's like, you might be, if you're, a, if you're a koala and you're writing a blog, like, yeah, I miss the days where we were bummed about the koalas. Like, I'm just, I'm going to die on that mountain where it's like, koalas, 
sorry, man. Yeah. Like that, your ship has sailed. Yeah. Like we're we're not worried about it anymore. Exactly. Marsupials. No one. No one ever really cared You're about. You're a vegan bear, man. Exactly. Like, come on. Yeah, uh, we're Americans. Yeah. Goodness, give me a break. Sorry. Give us a break. Right. Give us a break. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah. So in the way that I view things, it's like it's there's a lot of what would be really nice to say is like, so yeah, as a Christ follower, that's just made the everything super rosy, and you know because Jesus loves me, everything is just fantastic. But it's like, nah, like there's there's some complicated questions that come up as a Christ follower in this time where we talk about God's sovereignty um, and that he is in control. And we talk about God's goodness and that he is good. And when you see this pandemic raging and you see it ravaging um, communities of color, the poor, you see it like really affecting these people disproportionately worse. Yeah. You say to yourself like, man, uh, like God's sovereignty becomes really messy yeah. and God's goodness becomes really messy. Um, and so in the way of faith, like, you know, I haven't lost my belief structure, but man, have I had to be really intentional about reminding myself of like, you know, I don't know, and I'm not going to figure mm. a lot of this out. And I, <sighs> yeah. So, it's important, I think. I think know? so. Like, to still have the questions where it's yeah. like, you know, God, you are, so you are in control and you are good. And this happened under your watch. Was this either? You know, so it's like you want to ask those questions and it is complicated. And, you know, to be honest, like, I've heard some answers to it, but a, a lot of them just sounded really trite to me. Yeah. Um, I think this is just one of those things that, um, I am throwing my hands in the air and it's like, I am not going to know. I'm not going to know. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I will say that has been a sense of peace in that is having Christ as a ballast, um, in that, you know, having that as a mechanism through which, and, and a, a kind of like sense, a set of lenses through which I view myself, through I view, through which I view Kate, through which I view Lev, um, it's brought an incredible amount of peace because what it points me back to is that my reliance on things being good in the world is un. It my faith needs to be independent of that. Yeah. My faith needs to be independent of um, you know just how rosy everything is outside. Yeah. And whether or not, like, I can give a stranger a hug, which I'm not a toucher, so that's never been a thing <laughs> that I'm. I'm, I'm well, that's good I'm, for right now. I'm stoked about how few people are touching me yeah. right now. I'm like really into that. Um, I used to teach public school when students would always be like, "Mr. Mack," they like want to give me like a high five, and it's like, "Why?" <laughs> sure, this is how you're communicating affection. Now, like, if someone tries to give me a high five, it's like, "What's wrong with you?" And they go, "Oh my gosh, yeah, you're right." And it's like, yeah, it, yeah right. exactly. It's a how dare you? On. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, come on. You might kill me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, so yeah, like, as a, as a Christ follower, something that I find really difficult is some of, like, the deeper, the bigger theological questions, like, how does this, this thing fit into God's sovereignty and God's goodness? But at the same token, like, I have found an incredible amount of peace in the ballast that, like, hey, by the way, like, your faith is not and should not be dictated by how good things are. Yeah. By what you see in the news or I mean what what you don't see. 
um, that the reality of this kind of like existential plane is going to be implicitly fallen anyway. So the fact that you hinged your expectations on something that's non-existential, something that is essential to a non or to, to an existential plane, it's, it's, it's foolish at best. And, and yeah, so it, that's kind of like, yeah. So that's been something that I've been kind of wrestling through. Um, but I mean, again, I really appreciate like the fact that the kind of expectation I have for the world to perfectly reconcile itself to Christ for me, like to see it coming up egregiously short again, that's, that's important. Yeah. And that's a wake up call that it's like, okay, cool. So, so it never will. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And as, as a Christ follower myself, I think it's, you know, really important to remember just that, I mean, we all know the scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I think that that's an, an important thing to know as Christians, because it's not like he gave his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world because things were good. Right. You know, things were terribly bad. Right. And the only way that they could be reconciled was that he would send himself. Right. And that he would die, that he would rise again, and that he would save us from ourselves. Exactly. I think that it's important to know that, you know, that things, the nature of things being bad, it's not new, you know? Historically, right. like, things have been bad from the get-go. For real. From all recorded history. Right. So if there's any kind of, you know, encouragement that can be given, it's that, you know, things are bad right now, but God does love us and that he will create a way out. Yeah, and I think it's like another important thing to remember like as as Christians that like it doesn't say like God loved the world so he gave his only begotten son and a vaccine. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so Very it's true. it's like, you know, what was given speaks to something far deeper than um you know, our covid test results. Yeah. And and not to trivialize those like and I, I think that some some Christians have said that and they've said it in such a way that it really trivializes um you know what people are going through because it's like i mean it's not just like you don't want to get sick it's that like you've lost family members and you want to make sure like you know there's I, i think sometimes like christians will talk about like christ's blood like as a propitiation for our sins as like and by the way, nothing else implicitly matters here on this earth. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that, but also that doesn't mean that, you know, you losing your dad to COVID isn't a bummer. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's the worst. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a horrible thing. So I think um, I think it's important to to speak into, you know, that part of your soul that is paid for, and like to take peace in the fact that like things are going to be broken. Absolutely. Not that because you're a Christian, like, you know, like some of these like idiot televangelists, like because you're a Christ <laughs> follower, like you're safe from the virus or whatever. Like, yeah, you, that's who's that guy Copeland right, who was like, you pray it away. And it's like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Like you're an idiot. Like that's, that's a dumb, that's a dumb, stupid, dumb thing you said. Yeah. We shouldn't, <laughs> like, we shouldn't be giving people false. <laughs> yes. Hope. Yes. We shouldn't say that, oh, because the essential plane is covered for, 
in for a penny and for the pound with the existential plane. Yeah. Because it's like... Like we're living on Earth with real repercussions. With real, real repercussions. Yeah. And some of the clowns that are that say that are also flying around in private jets. And it's like, you're telling folks it's okay if they lose their lives. But like, would you be cool if like you missed a payment on your jet? Ooh. <laughs> right? Man. So it's like, yeah. Like I kind of... Like, like, yeah. It's like, let's just call this what it is, man. So like, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I feel like the Christian community as a whole has done a pretty great job, like speaking truth into this. But then you've got you know these these idiots, these asshats that you know roll up and just pray the COVID away, and it's like you're such a that's a dumb that's dummy. Like stuff. come on guys, like that's a dumb thing. Yeah, and you should. Be, I pray for I pray that COVID would go away every day. I wake up and no, it's still here. Exactly, like yeah, it's ex- still here. And uh, and I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm not talking about how we should pray COVID away, like while well, I'm wearing a Gucci suit, yeah. still preaching in my <laughs> in my yeah. congregation, like you know they fit better, like whatever, um, dude, like get that get out of here, please. Exactly. Yeah. So in that in that regard, like, do you see, or in what ways do you see faith played out in our society? Do you see it? I mean, you mentioned Gucci suit, bro. That you know is that's a thing. That's a thing that's there. So yeah, you're you're asking about kind of like the faith landscape and how it marries with like the current yeah like not the, even the so world. much yeah about you know christian faith in particular but just faith in general i see a lot of people like you mentioned the vaccines earlier do you see of uh, you know faith in vaccines do you see faith in our political leaders do you see faith in our church leaders do you see faith in our or in what ways do you see faith i think it de- yeah i think it depends on who you talk to at a particular like moment in a particular day. I think as more news has come out about vaccines, um, I think that there's been, you've seen this like resurgence of hope in um, so much of that, which is really cool. Like, I love to see that. And like, I'd love to be a part of it. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll listen to the news. I'm like, dude, how are we doing? Like how's stage four? Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, so that's exciting. Like you, you love to see that kind of resurgence of hope. Um, the thing that, uh, I grapple with is that we need to be careful about where we're placing our hope. We need to be careful about yeah. like, obviously vaccines are a modern medical miracle. Yeah. Shit's amazing. Like the stuff that we can prevent and eradicate from the basic human experience at this juncture, yeah. just by getting a shot, like that's incredible. And like, I have nothing but love for the scientific community and the way that they've like all rallied together almost globally to, like make this work i mean there are even folks like copying off of each other's papers in other countries to try and find these. it's amazing let's yeah. go like let's party um i think it's important to remember like when for me whenever i hear like oh and there's a vaccine and it's working that's great there's always this little part of me that says like it's happening my god it's happening like it's it's the end is the near. end is near like man it's gonna and it's like i have to stop myself each of those times and go look like what kind of guy do i want to be when i come out the other end of this like do i want to be the kind of guy who's like oh cool now there's a vaccine everything's perfect now like now like this this sense of struggle i've had with my identity who cares we have a shot now that doesn't that's not how it should be like I think that we, for me as a Christ follower, like I need to remind myself that my hope is ultimately in Jesus. And I have to remind myself that my hope is not found in things being normal, things being fun again, things being, you know, 
I mean, and again, things being fun again, like hell, who <laughs> things weren't glamorous in 2019 either, but yeah. heavens, we could go to a bar and talk about it. Yeah. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to city beach. That's where <laughs> you and I met, man. Shout out to city beach. Uh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Can't wait indeed. to be back there again. Uh, I can wait, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can still wait. But, <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, mm. Yeah, I think it's like in the way of hope, um, I think it's important that, you know, we have appropriate expectations. You know, a political party is not going to be the thing that saves us. A vaccine is not going to be the thing that saves us. A Like it's going to be a thing that can dramatically improve the quality of our lives, which is important. And we should still be cognizant of that. And we should still, uh, you know, appropriately test. We should still hold our politicians accountable. We should still be engaged and involved in these processes. But we should be ultimately 100% cognizant of the fact that like, the hope we find should not be solely in these things. Yeah. It should not be solely in these things. Not because they won't, not because they're guaranteed to fail us. I think, I think one thing I've seen probably more than hope has been cynicism, Mm. but in the grand scheme of things, it's really easy to say, Oh, well these things will save us. And it's like, no, they'll, they'll prolong us. Like the human problem, the human condition is Mm. still very much there. Yeah. Um, I would love for this virus to be gone tomorrow just by virtue of the fact that our, our death count is like getting like close to 160,000. That's insane. Yeah. Let's like, can we just get that lower? Like, heavens, this is terrible. Um, well, I mean, it's not going to go any lower. No, goodness gracious. Like, you know, it, it, it ultimately, let's suppose we did just tomorrow, no more, right? Tomorrow, no more. Fix the virus. Like, that's it. Tomorrow we wake up, and here's a vaccine. Line up, baby, and we're done. Like, you take this thing, 100% efficacy, boom. 100% accessible to everybody um, in every community, in every walk of life. Like, line up, man. Just go to that CVS, and you get it. Like, that's great. But, you know, I think a lot of the stuff that folks have been staring down the barrel of with this... um, with this virus hasn't just been the virus. It's been time indoors. It's been time with themselves. It's been time with like their families. And I think a lot of folks are realizing a lot of stuff that has more to do with the human condition than it does the virus. Yeah, I definitely see that as well. Especially, I mean, you know, life as a human is meeting with other humans and we don't get to do that now. So we're just kind of looking in the mirror and, you know, a lot of our own mental health breakdowns are becoming more apparent. And yeah. what would you say as, would you say that faith has helped you with your own mental health? Would you say that? I think that faith has given me the mechanism and the framework to really engage with my mental health. I don't think that, you know, I think if I were to sit back and say, Yes, as a Christ follower, I am completely in tune with my mental health. No, I mean, there's a lot of uh, people who aren't Christ followers, and I mean people who are of different religions, secular people, whatever the case may be, who have a very good sense of their mental health. Um, And they're very healthy people. Um, But what I will say is that the vocabulary associated with Christendom has served me well in the kind of like framework I have for my own mental health. So in terms of diagnosing 
which is like a rough term to use, but in terms of diagnosing the proverbial problem Mm -hmm. with Ben, um, having that framed in like a gospel sense where you start with total depravity, right? You start with total depravity. And what we are already beginning with is this notion that I'm not implicitly magic, that there is nothing that I am truly impervious to in the way of sin, in the way of, um, destructive habits yeah Yeah. in the way of destructive habits doing bad things not doing good things right there's nothing i'm impervious to there's nothing that i'm truly above you start there and so that kind of removes this like cult of personality we're like oh well because i'm an enneagram eight (laughs) you know uh this is the thing about me that is implicitly infallible and uh, this is the thing about me that's like you know kind of fallible. Like I'm, I'm not starting from this like I am then, an enneagram eight. So you're me you're, too. I'm an eight. Oh so, well, like you're go just figure. oh my god. I know. Just Man, ben. I know. We should have had an apartment together. <laughs> we got an extra room, dude. You, Kate, and Levin can. Oh, you would hate that. You would hate it so much. I love you guys. We'll hate it together. It's, oh, it's a tremendous. Pandemic. Let's just lean in, man. <laughs> let's hit bottom. <laughs> let's, just, let's just lean in. That's what's uh, yeah, that's, that's going on. I know. Sure. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for coming to our TED Talk. Yeah. Um, but uh, Enneagram 8s. Enneagram 8s. We're a nightmare. Uh, we are the worst at parties. Um, yeah, I could vouch. <laughs> me too. I've ruined many. Um, you know, so starting with total depravity, like, and, and, you know, starting there and then going into, okay, so there's total depravity. Now let's talk about grace. How, what does it mean to like, you know, show grace to others? What does it mean to show grace to yourself? What does it mean to do this? And then you frame that in the way of like, you know, so it's not just showing grace, like being nice to yourself or pretending like these other things aren't problems, but like you go into Christ's forgiveness and you say, okay, so I know that I'm essentially like the essence of Ben is forgiven. So the existential parts of Ben, they are, they are important, but if the essential part of me can be forgiven, the essential part of me or the existential part of me can be ironed out and not ironed out into perfection. Certainly not, but ironed out in a way that I can serve my family better in a way that I can serve my friends better in a way that I can serve my community better. And so it, it removes the magic of self um, from like my mental health calculus. And that has been tremendously freeing. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's stuff, been tremendously man. freeing. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. One thing for me that I've been noticing is that the older I get, the more I recognize how imperfect I truly am. Heavens. And you never think, you kind of think that you have it all together, you know, at, at a certain age or at certain ages, you know, you're 16, you think you're invincible. I'm 20, I'm 28. Oh gosh, goodness gracious. But right. When you say it out loud, it's yeah. like, I'm getting ready to be 33. And it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's weird to say it out loud, but 33. Yeah. But you know, you, you realize like, okay, I don't know everything and I'm still learning more about how much I don't know, mm. you know? And, one thing that's been big for me is repentance. Right. And to recognize, okay, like I did do wrong. And because I did do wrong, I need to make amends, you know? Right. And not just with other people, like with with myself. I need to recognize, like, no, Ola, like you didn't, you didn't hit the mark there. You know, you have to look at, in the mirror and take your licks and move forward. But not move forward in the sense that, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to put it behind me, like, whatever. 
you acknowledge what you did, you know, you capture it into a ball and you go, okay, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and I'm going to do my best not to do that anymore. Right. And you go forward. And that's, like, such a ballast. Like, something I hear folks say often is, you know, well, I discovered this thing about me, and and so this is how I am. And and it sounds really freeing, you know? Like, it sounds really freeing because it's like, oh, well, I'm going to let myself off the hook every time I do this. Yeah. But actually what you've done, in my opinion, is you've put a tremendous amount of pressure on yourself in the way that who you are – is now like or who you think you are at a given time is now the 100 whatever you do and who like whatever you sort of like grow into whether that be a positive growth or a negative growth is 100% culpable you know so it's like this mentality of like oh well this is who I am now and it's like I don't think it sounds really freeing but I but it's putting you in the epicenter of your own existence and that's a tremendous amount of pressure. Yeah. And something I find really refreshing about like what you're talking about, like as repentance pertains to grace, and as grace pertains to total depravity, and as all of this pertains to kind of like Christ's reconciliation of like his kingdom here on earth, it removes that unnecessary pressure that you are the epicenter of your own of existence, your own life, but yeah. rather like yeah, it's kind of this very like you're engaged in this process that you get to enjoy and you get to struggle with and yeah. you get to yeah, you get to fully and actively participate in this life here on earth that was given to you as a gift to steward, to hold um as you are reconciled as you were brought into um, the heavenly bodies, the the celestial kingdom, yeah, uh, yeah that, that is that is through Christ, exactly. And you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, getting outside of yourself. I I love that. You know, within our faith, that we're always called to kind of not only look introspectively, but always look outward. Yeah, you know, we often miss the mark as Christians, no doubt. Oh know. heavens, yeah. I mean, but, we're we were just talking about kind of copeland yeah <laughs> like like it's, it's easy to pick the places where you miss the mark and it's easy to i mean we know we know it's happening like you know goodness gracious like find a church that can be 100 percent stoked about its past um whether it be passively or aggressively involved yeah. in things that were really gnarly yeah um you know throughout whether it be like and even in the immediacy of things the civil rights movement like yeah it's hard to find a church here in the South who played ball. Yeah. It's hard to find a church. And so like as Christ followers, like something I, I, I want to be very clear about, like as a Christ follower is, is if there are Christians in your lives, listeners, whoever you are, if they are taking the stance that being a Christ follower has made me a better person and it can for you too. Um, that's shit. And I think that that's, and I can say that with conviction, and it's not Christ-following because I don't see in the Bible where it says that – anywhere that it says, as Christ-followers, by the way, you're now a better person. Yeah. Like it doesn't it, – there's there's yeah. a lot of talk about how we relate to the world, and there's a lot of talk of how we can look in the particular world and things of that effect. But this pathology of like – you know, you're going to get it right all the time. Um, yeah. Or you're just going to be right. Um, that's shit. And yeah. that's, that's just false. Patently false. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're all just doing our best. and Absolutely. I mean, within this past, like, uh, 53 minutes, within the past 53 minutes, I would like to think I've been right for maybe five of them. <laughs> I think five of there's five minutes of gold in here. Yeah, from, we'll let, from me. We'll let the audience decide. I can't, oh, I can't wait to heavens! I'm looking read for... YouTube comments. No, oh I'm boy, oh boy, <laughs> line them up. Uh, I think the YouTube comments will be a little bit more friendly because you can't see my face. Yeah, that's very true. Which I is good for me. I'm Let's... just gonna have Emily just draw caricatures of us and put it on. That's that's great. I'll I'll be background. easy. I I like the ubiquitous. <laughs> composite sketch <laughs> in my undergrad there was like composite sketch of this guy that was terrible all over campus and he just looked like the ubiquitous <laughs> like skinny white guy with a beard and like all like so many of my friends are like texting me they're like hey it's like stop it like it could be five of y'all as well hey, so yeah. like just ubiquitous all scottish people look the same anyway heavens interchangeable man yeah. just like yeah, just <laughs> it's like scrolling through. It, it, there was like a, a like just a a white, skinny, bearded European descent like Tinder, yeah. and you kept swiping <laughs> one direction. You wouldn't know that you had moved on. You wouldn't know you'd moved on. It'd be like, oh, it's another one. Like my. Maybe students... that's a problem with dating. Is that there's just too many Scottish people? <laughs> that's you hate to see on it. Tinder, it's a know? it's a bummer. <laughs> my students uh, when I taught high school and even college, they'd be like, I saw you in the city, and it's like. Maybe could have been some not. other dude on a single track yeah. uh, flannel. It could have. It just. It could have been anyone, um, but it might have been me. Yeah. Was it out and like out in public? And they're like, yeah. And it's like, oh no, then it wasn't. No, wasn't me. Well, you know what? We have a we have a spy plane going around Richmond or whatever. We do. It is, How fun. Who knows? Maybe it's uh it's trying to make sure that you are who you say you are. You know, making your. I appreciate that. You know, what I appreciate you, that. There's times I question that. Um, so yeah, whenever, <laughs> whenever I see Richmond divert any kind of money away from the schools, I immediately get cynical because <laughs> it's like oh, we're so underfunded. Um, <laughs> like, geez. Uh, no. So for me, like, whenever I see like spy planes and and like so much of like the kind of market around like surveillance, I guess like this is like the tinfoil hat that I proverbially wear, I always ask myself, like, so I think the, the the question I ask myself to kind of, like, engage in the mental acrobatic of this thing, are we pursuing security or are we pursuing order? Hmm. And so with the spy plane, I'm kind of thinking to myself, is this to improve our security, our general safety, our welfare, or is this to preserve order to keep things at a general status quo to where everything seems nice and friendly and everyone seems pacified. Yeah. Um, I can't help but think that this is a thing to bring order. Yeah, it's going on right now. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like... I feel like it's a thing to bring order. And order right now, I, I don't know if order is a virtue. I don't know if order is virtuous. I don't even necessarily know if security is a virtue. I don't even necessarily know if security is virtuous. Um, but if it's truly for order, um, I think right now we need a little bit of chaos. I think right now Richmond is really working at redefining itself and you know calling out a lot of stuff that we've had long in place for a long time that um, 
And I think what's happened is there's been like really interesting dialogue surrounding that. I've heard like folks who didn't feel like they had to defend monuments or they had to defend um, symbols surrounding the Confederacy before are now having to sculpt arguments to do that. They never had to do it before necessarily. Yeah. Um, and now that they're being called into question, like there's now a que- like there's a really good argument for why we should be calling these things into question and why we should be cognizant of these things. And so, you know, we see we see the the protests and um, we see violent and nonviolent protests taking place in the city. And we see the response to that. And so, for me, when I look at that spy plane, I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, is this order? Are we trying to quell the chaos so that we can just? I feel like there's such a push to just get things back to normal. Hmm. And I just, let's just embrace the weird, man. Let's just lean into it. If it's for order, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> like Richmond's never been very, like, sane. No. Let's be completely honest. It's weird. <laughs> That's it's, why we're all here. We love, there's a little anybody bit who lives weird. in Richmond, we love the weirdness. There's some weird. <laughs> so, like, let's chill with the order for right now. Yeah. Let's, like... Let's let this thing play out. Let's let this time happen. Let's engage in these dialogue. And I mean, I think that the the way it's been done has been grisly. And I think it brings up more interesting questions that we need to talk about. Um, and I mean, grisly is not a bad thing. You know, grisly is not a bad thing. So I don't know. With the spy plane, the question that always comes up to me whenever I see anything of that ilk you know, whether it be the spy plane or, you know, what, what some have called the militarization of police or whatever the case may be, it's like, to me, it feels like we're not talking about security anymore. It feels like we're talking about order. Hmm. And when we're talking about order, I just wonder, I, I, I don't think it's a virtue. I don't think order it's is like a order virtue. at what cost? Exactly. Like, I don't think it's a virtue. I don't think order is virtuous. I don't think order is a thing worth pursuing implicitly just because it is, you know, I think truth, beauty, justice, these things are worth pursuing because they are, right? Order is not that. Order is effectively... Like um, a byproduct. Yeah, it's the it's the proverbial ASMR track to put us asleep at the wheel, right? Where we don't have to question What is things. ASMR? Uh, I don't know what it stands for, but it's supposed to be like relaxing sounds. Oh, word. Yeah. I've um, listened to that before. Yeah. Uh, it. I mean, I, I, I have an unhealthy love with it. I think it's great. Um, we all do. We do. I think some of us choose different. Like, I could get like philosophical and be like, well, some of us believe that the news media is our own ASMR. <laughs> but like, no, for me, it's quite literally just like somebody tapping on a fluffy mic and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put me to sleep. Yeah. Like, I uh, figured it out for sure. And so, yeah, like in the grand scheme of things, like, yeah, with the spy plane, I don't think it's about the spy plane. I think when folks are arguing for or against it, what they're saying is we want order or they're saying, you know, order has been a problem for us and we want to get rid of it hmm. and right now is not a time for order and so i i, I kind of take that stance that I, I don't think right now is a time for order yeah 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 there's definitely a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about in a long time it's being brought up right now yep and you i know? i don't know if it's an unhealthy thing i yeah. think that it doesn't know, look the way that like a lot of us thought that it should have been but it's happening. And what are you going to do with it? You know. Yeah, I think that some. So I heard. Uh, I heard someone say not too long ago that this is the opportunity for Richmond to engage in an ethical in an ethic rebranding. Hmm. In how we view history and how we view, um, kind of like where we came from as a city, 
And I think that is just such a fantastic way to put it. I think that's just such a fantastic um, label to it. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, that's not going to happen in an ordered, you know, fall in line, everybody walk, looking down, yeah. kind of like pathology. That's not going to happen in that kind of ethos. Yeah. So, I, w- I will say there have been a couple nights with everything going on that I do fear for my family's life. Like right down the street. Like, absolutely. We had a lot of people just like going nuts. And I was like, all right, like let's all go upstairs and hope that we don't hear a knock on the door or whatever, you know, yeah. that we don't have somebody that we're not expecting come to our door. And it's just, it's difficult, you know, especially like with the little girl, I'm little fresh newborn baby girl. I'm like, well, you know what? Like, let the people believe in what they want to believe in, fight for what they want to fight for. But I promise you, bring it to my door, man. We're going to have some more. Yo, real talk. I get that. Like, yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, for me, I also, like, I live in Himrico. So I get to, like, say, like, yeah, just, like, burn it all to the ground, guys. Who cares? (laughs) You know, I, so I, uh, you know, in the way of, like, how it affects just, like, the general the general Joe Schmoes, the general folks. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and that's where, yeah, that's where you really get into, you know, why is this being done in a way that we shouldn't have to fear? Yeah. You know, for the safety of our family and for the safety of our well being. Like, if this was directed rage, would this be such a problem and does it feel like the rage sometimes is undirected you know and yeah that's a really yeah that's a really tough thing um and i think yeah i think in the way of chaos what i want to be clear about is that you know burning it to the ground is is not um the chaos i think that's gonna have the ethic rebrand of the city yeah um you know but yeah, I uh, hope it's not like, hey, welcome to Richmond. We love chaos. <laughs> yeah, like that's <laughs> folks would keep rolling down ninety five. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, like I think we have the opportunity to send a signal to 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 kind of like, hey, this is how we can engage on these topics in this city in a healthy way. Um. And, yeah, I think at times it's been unhealthy in the way that we've said, no, we're not going to engage on this. And then um, it's been unhealthy in the way where we're saying, like, this is all, like, this. we're all about only engaging with it. Um, so I think that I, there's been a huge moderating influence um, as time has gone on. I've seen it sort of, like, go, you know, entirely the violent direction and then entirely the nonviolent direction. And I think right now we're in a really good, healthy space where um you know they're still disrupt um but i don't think that you know a lot of the the fears of the general populace populace of the city is 100 percent justified yeah um, i think a lot of it is just kind of pointing to a group of people pointing to a group of protesters and saying oh you're gonna burn my house down yeah and it's like no there's no reason to believe that that would actually be the yeah. case you know um, better monuments than people right let's just be like let's just throw i'm gonna throw that out there like i'd much rather see like yeah you know like believe in 
whatever if you're pro or or con monuments they're monuments they're not human they're lives. statues man and they're, i'm really thankful that they're piles of rock yeah that in richmond that like we're at least respecting one another's physical bodies because, exactly because like, there have been many places in the world where that's not the case you know right. uprisings turn bloody and thankfully like this one like you know believe what you want to believe at least like we're all safe and you know i still wave to my neighbors still love them you know so yep. i'm gonna keep on doing that and i know that they're gonna keep on doing that absolutely and i think that, like something that's Richmond. a true testament to this is like you know we've we're friends and we talk and stuff uh you know while you're very pro monument i'm very con monument i say i say tear them down um but what i really appreciate is that like you know we can have that collective disagreement we can have that in such a way that like we still like respect let, each other as let people. me clarify i'm not pro monument <laughs> sure it's more just i'm more just neutral it's been here longer than i've been here you know what i sure. mean sure yeah so and, like, yeah like a chaotic neutral yeah and the reasons why yeah. i i wasn't for just getting rid of them weren't you know, the status quo, like, oh, I believe that they're racist monuments. I don't believe that any monument is inherently like, unless it says on the monument, like, hey, this is this, this monument is here to uphold the values of slavery and blah, blah, blah. If there was something like that, I'd be like, no, get rid of it. But sure. I didn't believe that that's what it was for. I believe that, you know, a lot of people that were respectable men died for their state and fought for their state. And the monument is there in their stead. And right. I thought, you know, like, if that's what Richmond's going to do to immortalize an event that happened, like, awesome. Like, right. I still love the city. I'm not, I don't believe in racism. I don't believe in in um, oppression, oppressing anybody. But I do believe that, you know, if a family member of mine were to have fought a war and we respected him greatly for, you know, thousands of other individuals, why not? Why not create a statue in his honor? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot more contextual than we've made it. I think we made it into a very black and white issue. But and especially like I mean, but at the same time, if the if the citizens want to get rid of it, get rid of it. Yeah, you know. So. And and that's something like I find incredibly refreshing is that like all of that I I don't agree with, but I love you. Hey, I I think you're fantastic. Love you too, Ben. Yeah, man. And like. You know, as as Christ followers, like man, there's like there's such a freedom to that where it, it's like at any point in time, like I was saying earlier, like if when I'm feeling like there's something in me that is um, broken, you know, what I would want to do is take the pathology that you have, the viewpoint that you have that's different than me, and turn it into like, and this is the problem, and Ola's the guy, and I'm gonna take him down because. Now I'm winning, and I need to feel like I'm winning one. And it's like, let's let's all work at getting past that and just, like, let ourselves hit the bottom and just say to ourselves, okay, like, you know, um, these are people who, they're people. We're all, we're people. And, like, the notion of grace, the notion of complexity, the notion of, um, or I should say the, the, giving a person an actual like human identity instead of an archetype for a philosophy that you believe is damaging 
um, that's I, I just don't think that there's space for that. I don't think that that's healthy. I don't think that that's a good dialogue for anyone. I think I don't think that's a good place to start. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we differ very much in a lot of different ways that we view each other or the way we view the world. But in the way that we view each other, like I think that we're perfectly in sync on that. Yeah, and I think that absolutely. like. I think that's another thing that you know that we agree on is that there's um, there's this kind of market that's been created that this is like divided. Yeah, this is a divided, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Not in the way of like you don't have to sacrifice your individual viewpoints in order to like befriend somebody or or love somebody well who believes what you don't. You don't have to sacrifice your viewpoint. You don't have to sacrifice your the the sting and the the teeth of your pathology mm-hmm. but what what you do need to do is take a step back and like hey this person's a human too yeah and like i'm gonna love them and i'm gonna show them grace and um i'm gonna like heaven forbid listen to them and engage with them yeah um, exactly last time we engaged i think it was like a five hour six hour hang oh my goodness <laughs> but, gracious i think we yeah. got together at like eight and the like spy i left plane it like was just hovering around three, spy plane. Like, yeah they, right, they, well. the spy plane was watching man yeah. spy <laughs> plane like my alexa from home like had bugged <laughs> me and like yeah it was i got a text from jeff bezos it was like yeah. hey man good job and I was like, oh my gosh thanks jeff <laughs> Jeffy boy, like thanks, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Fatherhood, man. Fatherhood, faith, freedom. Yeah, man. The three but, Fs. I mean, you mentioned, um, you mentioned like the friendship. One thing that I really appreciate from you personally was that you took me out on my first ever disc golfing expedition, mm. and it was wonderful. Yeah, and. I've fallen in love with it. I look up YouTube videos on how to become a better thrower. That's what I'm saying. Once or twice a week. Dude, I so I've been playing disc golf for five years. I'm bad at it, but I love it. I love it. It's so much You're fun. Much better than me. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Still so bad. Um, but I love it. And that like I love the way that like you know, something I love about disc golf is like you just get, you don't have to do it with anyone. You just go into the woods. Yeah, exactly. You go into the woods and you throw plastic at chains, and it's like it's fantastic. It's you versus the course, right? Yeah. Um, which is just so great because, uh, yeah, I I really liked the opportunity to just kind of like play against a basket tucked behind some trees. Yeah, like that's what I'm fighting against instead of somebody (laughs) like somebody who's probably waking up earlier than me and (laughs) like you know so um yeah man disc golf 10 out of 10 i recommend if you don't play it that's fine jomez pro look them up on youtube it's just fun to watch jomez pro jomez pro man these cats good tournament coverage it's like the way they cover it it's like proper like it's disc golfers are funny they'll say like ball golf i'm like no golf like we're we're the ones that need a modifier like they cover it like golf like they've got like flight tracking and is that the one with the um with the drone yeah they've got the drone like they show you the holes like yes yeah. yeah and uh and they've got like flight tracking so you like when when a pro throws an incredible shot uh like they they follow it and like you see where it lands and you go damn like that's and it's helpful because you see that and you're like oh that's a thing i can never do and that feels good i guess that's yeah the thing. i sign up for that i'm like great let me feel bad about ben let me see <laughs> let me see what this like 20 year old 
from Colorado can do. Let, hey, me, see, let me see how he makes me look stupid. Hey, it's all good, man. Ugh. I sleep like a baby. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I don't want to be. I don't. I don't need to be good at it. I need to remember that. Um, you know, uh, I need God, and that like that little metric I have in my life, like I need to not give it weight. Yeah, so I've been playing some bad rounds this summer, some bad rounds, um, and that's it's been good for me because it helps me remember that like the virtue of my life is not to go out there and kill it. Yeah, the virtue of my life is not to go out there and win. Like the virtue of my life is to wake up and be present. And if that means that I'm in a spell where it feels like I'm failing constantly, which is that's kind of how it's been the past couple of weeks, I just got to keep waking up and keep failing. I got to keep failing. I got to keep failing in front of my wife. I got to keep failing in front of my son. I got to keep waking up and I got to keep failing. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's just, yeah, that's like where I'm at right now. And I think that's where a lot of other folks are. Um, and just keep waking up, folks. Just keep yeah, waking up. For real. And keep, keep keep waking up and keep failing. Fight the good fight. Keep failing and re- reload the program and keep doing it. Yeah. Keep failing. Um, keep yeah, failing. What, are, what are ways like like in the failing that you found freedom and that you found some kind of sanity during this time? So I think that the failing reminds you that you have to have. If you truly, like what we were talking about earlier, like if you truly put yourself as the epicenter of your existence, failure is not an option. Failure is the worst case the scenario. The worst case scenario because if you are the epicenter, if you are the sun of your universe and the sun is failing, everyone dies. Yeah. Right? If our sun failed tomorrow, which, and I mean our sun like S U N. Which doesn't seem like, doesn't seem too far off of the reality at this juncture. Like you, you tune in, you wake up, check your Facebook feed, and you go, "Oh, the sun exploded." Fun, yeah. It's like that's fine. Just throw it on the pile, folks. Right? Yeah. Um, but you know, if you are the center, the epicenter of your own existence, and you fail, well, yeah, that's a problem, right? That's a tremendous problem. It puts so much pressure on you. And so I have found this tremendous freedom in the sense that, like, okay, you know, so so I'm a disc golfer, I'm a distance runner, I had a bad run, I played a bad round, um, I wasn't as great a husband as I could have been today, and I'll tell you, like, man, the past couple weeks, like, there's been a lot of days where I've come to Kate at the end of the day and gone, man, like, you know, I fucked it up, like, I didn't do a great job today, I didn't look like Jesus, I didn't... Um, I didn't pull my weight. I didn't do well by you. I didn't do well by Lev. Like, I, I'm sorry, you know? And yeah. so if I was the at the epicenter of my own existence, that would be a really big deal. Yeah. Me playing a bad, bad round would be a really big deal. Me running slow and gross because it's 110 degrees out every day, um, that would be a real bummer. Yeah. Um, if, like, I had a bad day as a husband, if I had a bad day as a father— if you really put yourself at the epicenter of your own existence, and if you truly believe that and you truly buy into it, you had better not fail ever. Yeah. But there is such incredible freedom when you don't put yourself there. When yeah. you allow yourself grace, when you remind yourself of your actual positioning in the circumstances and the output and the outcome of your own life. Um, and so it makes the ability to wake up and continue to fail not only 
acceptable, but it but it makes it possible. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise it's not. Otherwise it's yeah. not possible. Otherwise it's every day you have to wake up and rise and grind and be your best man by the time your child wakes up, which for Lev is about seven thirty. Hmm. And I'll tell you now, I am not my best man. At seven thirty a.m. I am not. Um, that is not. Nope. That is not a thing. I am. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, I think I found an incredible amount of freedom, and the ability, and the capacity, and the bandwidth to wake up and continue to fail, knowing that um, I am not the sole proprietor of my circumstances, of yeah. my family circumstances, of my of my world's circumstances, knowing that I am not the sole proprietor for those things, has been wildly freeing and incredibly beneficial. Right on, man. What would you say to somebody who's struggling right now, maybe in your position, maybe not in your position? What would you say to like anybody who like needed to hear it? Hit bottom. Hit bottom. Don't try and fight it. Um, don't try and fight it. Don't try to play an amazing round of disc golf or try to run an incredible race or try to be an incredible husband that one day or hashtag rise and grind and hit the gym and do all of this stuff so that you can feel validated. Um, if you're struggling right now, allow yourself to struggle, give yourself the space to struggle and be honest with yourself about it and really let yourself hit bottom. Don't yeah. try and claw your way down. Don't try and claw your way out before you hit the bottom. Let yourself get there. And have a network of people who you love, who you care about, who you trust, who you can spend time with, whether that even be phone, virtual person, whatever, so that, you know, you can talk truth to yourself and have them take part in that process. Have them speak truth into you as well. Really utilize your community. Find a community of strong men, um, and I guess we're speaking to men largely, Um Find yourself. We'll a see, dude. Yeah, whatever. Any really, and all. You got a really pretty voice, Ben. Oh my gosh! Stop <laughs> it! Wow. Um, find yourself a strong community of people um, who are going to speak truth into you, and who are going to um, extend you grace and ask for grace. Ask for grace. Like, ask for grace in that process. Like, that's a hard thing to do. Like, there are days. My wife is really good at it some days I'll just be like, Kate, like, how can I love you well? And because she'll seem like she's in a funk, she'll seem like she's struggling. And I'll just be like, how can I love you well today? On days where, like, I'm, you know, not being a selfish bastard. And she'll say, man, Ben, can you just, like, show me grace today? I just need grace today. And it's like, that is so powerful. Like, what when she says that, it's like, she's asking for grace. Like, cut me a break. Yeah. And it's like, yo, Yes. Yeah. I am not going to say no to that. What kind of man am I if I say no to that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Ask for grace. And, um, you know, it, it, for me, like, you know, we're single, single income. Uh, my wife is staying at home. Um, I'm the one working. Uh, I got to go to work. I got to go to work. I got to yeah. make sure that we have food in the fridge, right? Like, I've got to, like... I'm also a husband, like goodness gracious in this whole like universe, right? Like in COVID land for a stay at home mom, like Kate is spending the whole day with Lev, like less otherwise noted, you know? So like 
I've got to engage with that. I've got to help. I've got to be present for that. Like I've got to help her out. I've got to help Lev out as well. So like for me hitting, you know, and, and for most of us hitting bottom doesn't mean like, again, pressing pause on everything and like, oh, the whole, everybody has to like, you know, stop what they're doing and make sure I'm okay. No, 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 no. You've got to take care of your bit. You've got to take care of your family. Yeah. Like you have to do that. And you can do that while you're at the bottom still. Just again, lead with like for Kate, like I'll look at her. It's like, hey, I'm going to need some grace today. I'm going to do what needs to be done to make sure that we're sorted. Yeah. But I, I may not be enthusiastic about it. I may not be 100% agreeable in it. I may not be a sweetheart because I'm, I'm just struggling right now. Yeah. And I think it's okay to struggle. And um, I think it's okay to be in that space. I think it's okay to be in that headspace. And I, I really truly think that the hardest times I've had is when I'm like going to the disc golf course and I'm saying, I'm going to throw six under par today because if I don't, I'm a failure. Yeah, I have to win one and this is where I'm going to do it. And then I don't Yeah, because I don't normally throw six under par anyway, anywhere. Yeah. So why all of a sudden do I have to do it? Well, I have to do it all of a sudden because I, I feel like I'm failing all over yeah. the place. I need to win one and that's stupid. Um, so is that kind of like practical advice that you'd give like just any, you know, carbon-based life form at this juncture. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Just accept, accept defeat when it presents itself. Accept defeat, yeah. Accept defeat when it presents itself, and like, cut yourself a break in the process of it. And if you have a success, like that's tremendous. But let the success live in the space where it's supposed to. Let the success be, not be a. a um, a moment of validation for who you are, yeah. right? Like, don't let it be that. A failure is not the coloring of your, is not the true color of your character. It's just a thing that didn't sort out that day. Yeah. It's a thing that didn't sort out that day. And maybe that was because of like something that you're struggling with in your character. Fine. And and that is going to get ironed out over time. Like that's going to happen and you're going to be a part of it. You need to work at being a part of that process. But right now, just cut yourself a damn break. Yeah. Just cut yourself a damn break. Hit the bottom, and you're okay. Everyone's you're gonna be all right, and just yeah, love on others in the way of like you extend them grace to practice giving the grace that you need. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's huge. Practice giving the grace you need. I'm bad at it. Oh, that's why you gotta practice. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. In disc golf, as in life. Oh wow, just full circle. Th- yeah, this man. has actually been a disc golf podcast, by the way. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> this has actually been this has been a disc golf podcast, and we've gotten way off topic at the start of it. Yeah, thank you so much for those discs, man. Oh yeah, man, those are those are solid. Yeah, I'll get I'm you pumped. going. Let me know like when the next time you. Oh, we've got plenty. Yeah. I'll holler at you. Yeah, dude. We'll please. get you sorted out. I want to get that. It's been raining the past couple days, but. Let me know. Yeah, man. For real. For real. Yeah, man. Dude, thank you so much for being on the show. Dude, thanks for having me. This has been a pleasure. It's been yeah, great. Man. What um what musical album or any music in general would you offer yeah, to our listeners? So man, right now I have been just tearing into uh, Josh Garrels. Josh Garrels, I know Josh Garrels. Yo, J G. Yeah. He's a stud. Yeah. Uh and I've been like old stuff, man. Like Love, War, and the Sea Between. Word. That album is sick. It's so good. Um, 
when I'll, I get, I'll have to check that out. Oh, it's super one. good. Um, when I get really self-loathy, um, there's one particular track that I have circled back to, um, and it's Aesop Rock. Uh, not to be confused with Aesop Rocky. Aesop. Yeah, Aesop Rocky. This is Aesop Rock. Uh, yeah, like Fables. You like the Fables, yeah. right. Um, he's got this track, Go For Guts. And uh, it's on his album, Skeleton. And uh, when it gets to the bridge, man, it just wrecks you. It's good, just, dude. It just wrecks you. Like, he just puts words to stuff that you're like, ooh, man, I got to unpack something here. Like, Let's this, do it. This hit me. Um, it's super rad. Uh, so, like, yeah, that's when I'm getting self-loathy. But, like, there's still something, like, I just, I always circle back to that track. But, and that album in general is fantastic. But, yeah, man, Josh Garrels, Love, War, and the Sea Between. He's got so much more music he's been putting out. He has this, like, really amazing album that he put out um, in quarantine. Uh, that's a release of, like, a bunch of hymns. And it's fantastic. Uh, but, man, I just love, love War, and the Sea Between. And uh, for one particular track to just wreck your soul, wreck your personhood. Uh, Aesop Rock, go for guts. Let's do it. Let's do this thing. All right, folks, you heard him. Ben, let's go have another Brook Lottie and finish this thing oh, out. Oh, heavens, let's have more Brook Lottie. Another, another shout out. Um, so Isla Scotch is objectively superior to every other alcoholic beverage you've ever had. It's true. If you don't feel that way, that's fine. You're just fundamentally mistaken, and that's okay. We're going to extend grace. We want you to hit bottom. We want to extend the grace that we need for each other. Um, And the best 10-year scotch, 10 to 12-year scotch you're going to have is the Port Charlotte uh, Isla Single Malt from Brooklotti. I mean, just a slam dunk. He's not lying, folks. I'm, I'm not one who does that often intentionally he's not lying folks. i'm not lying in this particular context this was my first sip of scotch from ben that's right and it was fantastic it changed my life the ola has was a, a true savage when he when i met him and since it's then, true i didn't even wear clothes it was embarrassing it was uncomfortable but city beach you know they had a low bar he's still there just no clothes and now I've got him on – I've turned him on to scotch, and I've turned him on to disc golf. Now he's a true man of the people. You should see him now. It's true. Pressed shirts, deep Vs. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really crushing it out there. I hope you bought stock in Ola shortly before we met. Yeah, we're coming up, folks. Coming up strong. And in this market, it's pretty bullish. Yeah. So Ola – You need something secure. For real. So, <laughs> so it, is that really a secure investment? Is buying into uh, Ola? It's secure. Guys. Is it? Wow. Wait. It's secure. She's a. Man, got a high volatility rating. I wouldn't buy into me. Uh, ben, I wouldn't, no. I ben, you're awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Man. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me, Ola. What a pleasure. Brother, let's close it out. Let's close it out. All right. Bye, guys. Mm.